in life winning and losing will both happen but what is never acceptable is quitting when you feel that you're alone in this journey you really are not alone there are countless warriors who have gone through a similar journey like what you are going through today they have felt the immense pain that you are experiencing but in the end they have all healed themselves from cancer some talk about their own journey as you are listening to this right now while some have defeated pain forever but in the end they all have defeated cancer learn from them get inspired from their cancer healing journeys listen to our very own cancer warriors in this show brought to you by zen onkorayo and love heals cancer Hi Nishta. Uh this is Maria from Zen Onco and Love Heals Cancer. We have with us today yourself Nishta who is such a I will not even say survivor she's a cancer warrior to come and inspire us with such an inspirational story and I can't wait to talk to her myself. I cannot even imagine the people watching this you know how much they're going to take from it today. Yours is the podium Nishta you can take it from here. please go today is your story everybody is out there listening to you me myself and the whole world out there right we can't wait please go okay so first of all i would like to say that i find dimple very inspiring as well and and the great work that she is doing while love heals cancer the ngo as well as jen onco.io i i think that's very inspiring because that is something which is really needed an integrative care where people could talk about psychology where people could talk about uh being with other people who have been through the same thing as well as finding all the materials uh which one could need related to diet related to exercising related to how to take care of a person at one place so i think that uh, uh that that's something really good i always reach out to her resources when i need something as well as i direct other people who are unfortunately are in the same need too mm. right so here i would like to know how your story is with dealing with cancer and you know let's start from the very beginning shall we of how you got uh, this and all of that yeah so i think uh, um so firstly let me tell you my diagnosis i was stage 3c ovarian cancer and i had to undergo an open surgery a radically open surgery which lasted for very many long hours i think it was 7 to 8 hours i don't remember exactly now but something like that and then i underwent six cycles of chemotherapy and i'm currently on another therapy which is a hormone blocker therapy because my cancer turned out to be hormone positive right now coming ovarian cancer ovarian cancer is the biggest killer cancer among women among the gynecologic cancers and because this cancer doesn't show symptoms till a very late stage so i remember i had just returned from spain and my tummy was slightly bloated the bloating was so subtle that no one could even notice it other than me myself so i earlier thought because i i have come from super cold temperatures to suddenly super hot temperatures maybe that is why my body is uh, reacting differently so um but but then two weeks passed and i realized that this is not my body usually behaves uh the bloating was very very subtle no one other than me would even notice it but it's very important to know what are your body's usual patterns even if something happens first of all why is something happening out of the blue so maybe you can come up with hypothesis but you know usually what's your body's general healing time and if your body is not getting healed within that general healing time then there got to be something wrong yeah so i I frantically reached out to doctors. I think I reached out to more than ten doctors, but next experts, dietitians, nutritionists, and so on and so forth, and no one could diagnose me correctly. This is because I was twenty-three at the time. Now I'm twenty-four, and uh, and the very idea that cancer can happen to someone so young and ovarian cancer, which has the usual diagnosis age, the average diagnosis age as fifty-five, was totally, totally unknown. to them means no one would believe it but it was after persistently pushing 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 when you are not satisfied with the answers that you are getting that i got finally diagnosed with ovarian cancer i i kept pushing for uh, uh for 
another test because I was just not satisfied with whatever I was getting. I was going from one place to another. So this is how I was initially diagnosed. Yeah. Following after that, um, means I was told that uh, it's better to have the surgery as soon as possible before cancer spreads further. And, and the time after that was no less than a rush for life. I was going from one doctor to another, hearing my own prognosis, something that has came out of the blue, hearing my own prognosis numbers, hearing my own fate, hearing what all they are going to remove from my body, hearing about surgery, hearing about everything took a lot of courage. So I remember I would, I would, I, I was involved there along with my family and close friends. I was making an Excel sheet on which doctor to go to, what, uh, uh, what consultation to take, when, and we were frantically running from one place to another. And it took a lot of courage to, to be able to go and face that, to be able to write about your own cancer, that I'm making appointments for my own cancer, and then be able to go there, listen to the prognosis. Yeah. So this was the initial diagnosis part. After that, um, initially, the pet CT did not show that I was such an advanced stage. It showed that I was maybe stage one or two. So I was feeling good, okay. somewhere hopeful. But when the surgery happened, then we realized that pet CT had not detected everything. We right. underwent um, a very radical surgery where both of my ovaries were removed and uh, uh, several other things were removed. And, uh, and after that, uh, in my ovarian cancer, I have a rarer subtype of cancer and nothing is proven to work. Chemotherapy is not proven and anti-hormone therapy is not proven, but we were looking for whatever we could do. So I chose to undergo six cycles of chemotherapy to gain any hope that I could possibly get. After right. that, we again spent a lot of time, uh, we spent a lot of time gaining opinions, getting, uh, getting to talk to experts on what is the say about anti-hormone therapy. Hmm. Again, learned that it has no proof whatsoever that it works, but there is always a ray of hope. So I was reading through the side effects and I was wondering whether I even wanted to live such a life where I am just hoping that something might work, but my life is laden with side effects. And uh, after a lot of thinking, I ultimately took the courage that I want to live and I'll, I'll go with it. I'll, I'll try to figure out how the side effects turn out. Wow. And then Amazing. Make, and maybe then make a call whether I want to continue with, her, with it or not. But Initially, I took the decision, okay, I want to go ahead with that as well. So, yeah, this was my initial treatment journey. Wow. I mean, the, the strength that you possess is just amazing. Like right now you're talking about it so with so much power, with so much elegance. And wow, I'm, <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. Tell us more about your journey with chemo. Huh. So I think... Chemo could be summarized as an altogether different life. And uh, I mean, everyone knows about the physical part and the 14 list of side I think that that's a four-page list of side effects that they make us sign. And I would read through everything and I would say, I agree to this. I do not agree to this before signing. So just to be clear with everything. And uh, I think uh, a lot of part is the physical exhaustion. Mm. But then when chemo starts, there are a lot of other things that come into the picture because you're always in pain. You're always uncomfortable. And uh, it has a lot of side effects with something it does with your brain. After undergoing chemo, I was diagnosed with OCD as well uh, because of the trauma that cancer had induced. And OCD was another, another big thing that, that just spoiled the quality of life that was going on. Yeah. Adding that I was losing my hair and uh, given how many people suddenly reached out to me saying they want a picture of me, it was just plain insensitive. I knew that I'm going to lose my hair. Before shaving my hair, I knew what I was going into, but it didn't make it any easier. It didn't make it any easier looking at myself in the mirror and just thinking, oh, how I'm looking. And uh, again, 
again the so many things it does to your mind it makes you slow it it somehow turns you on the negative side of life and it, and what it does to your body again i was a person who was always into fitness i was always taking a good care of myself and it hurt me it, it hurt me how i how i was losing my hair how i was losing my muscles all the muscles within my body so it was very heartbreaking but then i also tried to figure out just the positive parts of it because the love i got in that time the people who reached out to me of, to share their love to share their support i think that was a very positive part of that time and how it made me feel how blessed i was to have these people around me my sister flew in from canada my family was always there um, at my side initially my boyfriend was also very supportive so i was very lucky to have those people around me secondly i tried to make good use of my time i i realized that i had been working so much that i didn't really get a time to de-stress so i kind of used chemo as an opportunity to de-stress myself from work so i would spend time sleeping for the first <laughs> time i got up netflix so i was always so much into productivity that i i had no clue how that netflix worked so my sister told me see this is how it works this is how you explore and i realized wow this is a gem i never figured out earlier and uh, i i learned magic in that time magic to just make people around me happier when i would go to the chemo center i would try to show magic to kids around me to show it to the staff mm-hmm. and uh, um just and again i again tried to i i was feeling uncomfortable with myself the way i looked the way i felt so there comes the hard part little things could be done but how do you really tackle the bigger things which is how how do you tackle first of all what's happening to your body my i was totally losing control of my body i didn't know what was happening to it it was losing i was losing my muscles i was losing all my strength i was picking up a lot of exhaustion and i passed the initial one month just with pity for myself a lot of self pity until i read a book which was uh, which which my friend shrinak suggested it was victor frankl's a uh, man search for meaning and i realized that uh, that that book made me realize that the self pity is not going to have any impact so after one month i chose to get off my bed and really do something which could make me happy i was a lot into fitness and one day just a second day after chemo i went for a run i was happy at that time when i was running i was very happy but after some time so much exhaustion came into me that i couldn't get off my bed for the next two days and mm-hmm. that time i realized it didn't matter to me whether i could get off my bed for the next two days or not but i would really appreciate that one hour that i could go running and then i went to went to my doctor took permission from her to be able to join gym mm-hmm. so i joined gym i had a floor trainer with me i would always carry a mask and a sanitizer and i started from scratch i had lost all the strength but somewhere i was still there and that's what that's what was important to me Yeah. earlier what used to be my warm up speed what used to be my warm up strength that became my maximum but still what mattered was i was there and i was there every single day slowly and slowly i started regaining my strength even when the chemo was going on hmm. and uh, means my body had gained 33% extra fat hmm. but but uh, but the mere conviction that i want to be there working for whatever is left out of it was the biggest thing that got me moving so um, i read a cartoon i read a cartoon from bojack horseman where <laughs> the protagonist is lying on the ground after running and uh, um, and an old monkey comes and says it does get easier okay that huh yeah it does get easier but you got to do it every day and that's the hard part but it does get easier and that was something which was very very motivating to me it didn't matter how well i was doing it mattered that i was there every day i was there initially for some minutes 
Then I was there for half an hour. Then I was there for one hour. Then I was there for two hours. And I just I was there for two and a half hours. Every day I was working out two and a half hours. Slowly and slowly I increased, and my fitness levels ended up becoming even much better than it was pre-cancer. So, wow. yeah. So I think that when it comes to human conviction and human spirit, of course I cannot. I don't know what other people are going through, and it would be insensitive of me to be talking about them. But somewhere, I would, I would like to say that human conviction is is bigger than anything else. I so, agree. So that was the part on the physical side that, जो होता है कर लो. It matters that you are there. It it matters that you're showing your face. Second comes on the, on the mental side, the mental toll it takes on you. I heard a lot of slogans of positivity. Nishta, think positive. Don't be pessimistic. Try. Why do you think you'll die? Try to think you'll live. But a lot of thoughts surrounded me. If I'm going to live, what kind of life would I be living? What would be the quality of my life? Secondly, how long I'm going to live, and how do I think positive in all this scenario? How is it even humanly possible? That's when my closest of people. came into the picture they made me realize that you cannot be positive until you have been negative and it is very very important to embrace and accept the negativity that's flowing into your life yes until you accept what is going on until you have you have you you will not become comfortable with it but until you don't try to push away the feelings you're okay we often try to push away the feelings that we don't like but this is not how human brain works once i started accepting that negativity which was eating the better of me that negativity stopped eating the better of me and then i started focusing on the positive parts i started giving more focus to my mental health i started taking therapy something which people are very very afraid to take so it's a statistic that almost 80% of people after going through a can- after going through cancer or any other trauma suffer severe anxiety and there are still so many taboos around being able to take therapy but i i reached out i took therapy i had ocd and we don't have a lot of ocd experts in india because ocd has still such a low awareness i don't know how to get in touch with them but still i was going from a place to another to find a cure for myself to be able to tell myself that i can get better and i will get better i started doing meditation i started reading good books i started surrounding myself with with positive people and i started my surrounding myself with people who can accept me for my negativity and who can tell me it's okay to be negative and then who could direct me to the positive path so there there i talked about the physical part there i talked about the emotional and the mental part thirdly i'll talk about the social part yeah so so once chemo started a lot of people left my life mm-hmm. because i don't know maybe i was no longer capable to cater to what they were looking for from me several close people who i had been so close for over the years they left and it was very hard for me to believe that happened and uh, it it broke me totally i tried to forget about it i tried to ignore it but i was deeply hurt i would cry on why some people just change out of nowhere but then i tried to realize the blessings in my life many more people had entered in my life who i never thought would it means people i thought were general friends they became my closest of people i knew who was there and who was not and i i know who i right now know who is there for me and i cherish them deeply i cherish for all the love all the support they have given me all the means people were there for small things for example earlier means i was living in a one room it was basically a servant quarter at the top of a house where i was i was trying to support my boyfriend in his startup so i was trying to save finances so i moved into a servant quarter so i could i could support both of us uh but after cancer was diagnosed my family moved in with me and my father was there my mother was there my boyfriend was also visiting me at times and my sister was also flowing in uh, flying in into my place and there was just one room where five people were living 
So we had to immediately look for another home. And uh, of course, we, we got another home. We bought it very high rates, but how do we, we, we managed it. Uh, but they, there are so many small things involved. Yeah. So there was a friend who was coming in to just give me, give me the cartoons to move things. There was someone else who was helping me find the houses. So, you know, I had so much love. So I think that social component matters a lot. There will be people who leave your life, but there will be many more who come in and then you know who is there or not. So I think uh, looking at the positive side, accepting the negativity, trying every day and being there with people who support you and love you is, uh, is a lot how I, I got, over the, got over the physical, emotional, social parts of undergoing chemo. Wow. Amazing. How I love how you have, you know, you've taken each aspect of it and really, really spoken in depth about each one so well. Wow. I completely understand how I can, I can only imagine myself that I can never go through what you went through. But when you explain it also, you get so emotional about it. It's just amazing. It's wow. I'm just blown away right now. Anyway. And, and don't say that you cannot... Uh... You can only imagine and you cannot understand what I'm going through because I believe every one of us have one trouble or another and there is no trouble that is bigger than anyone else's. So I also learned it during this journey only that uh, if I cannot be sad because someone else is sadder, then I cannot be happy because someone else is happier. So I think all of us go through one or the other trouble. But Different ways. Different yeah, but the ground rule still holds the same weight. Yes, absolutely. 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 I would completely agree to that. Also, um, tell us more about how your lifestyle changed per se before uh, cancer, while cancer happened and after cancer and overall of how your lifestyle changed. So overall, if I talk about my lifestyle, I was already living a very healthy lifestyle. Uh, I never drink, I don't smoke, and uh, means I don't even take any liquid like soda or anything, eat healthy, I was uh, exercising regularly. So um, when cancer struck me, I was taken aback, that why me? I had no reason, had no family history, I was just 23, had a perfectly healthy lifestyle, I could not figure out a reason and I still don't know why. I think even even dinosaurs had cancer. So it's just that anyone can have cancer anytime. So the, the lifestyle change that mainly came was I worked even harder towards my body, which is very counterintuitive. Earlier, I used to work out something like an hour or an hour or 15 minutes or maybe two hours at max. But now I was consistently working out two and a half hours every day to ensure that I'm still having my muscles because my ovaries were removed. I could not have kids anymore. My bones were, my bones were losing their minerals and I was having a lot of other side effects. I wanted to ensure that I am not just floating, I'm doing great. And I put in the effort and I loved putting in that effort. Of course, no one loves exercising. It, it's taxing, but it mattered to me that I was there every day and I'm grateful to, to the float trainer and the gym who, who gave me the time to take me through that. So one that. Secondly, I started taking much, much, much less stress. Earlier, I, I used to be spooked out at little things. Oh, this person said this. Oh, this is going to happen. Now that's going to happen. And then I would start crying. But after cancer, I don't take much stress. Means the only thing I take stress about is my health, my mental health, my physical health. But I no longer take stress about other things. Wow. You just let it go. Yes. Because yes, you reach a point where no, it's not worth it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I realized how much stress I'm going to take. I would exactly. take stress for I would take stress for that. Then I define rules for me. Only when this this happens, I'll take stress. For everything else, I'll say, okay, do just let it go. So I think uh, taking care of my mental health was another change that I made. Third change was, I was earlier I was working a lot and 
I, I, I spent time with, with the people I loved, but now every day I take up dedicated time to spend time with my family because uh, that matters to me much more now. If I have to look back, I won't be, even though I love my work and I love my, the people who are surrounding me professionally, they are extremely supportive. So, uh, but in general, when I look back, I won't be looking back at the number of hours I spent at the office. What I'll remember is how much time I spent with the people I loved, whether it's my family, whether they are my colleagues, whether they are my friends. So every day I take a dedicated time to spend with my family. And of course, I talk to people in my office. So the personal aspect matters a lot to me. And uh, so I think, uh, yeah, these are the changes mm. that I made in my lifestyle overall in general. Mm. And I think that uh, I am much closer to people in general because... You're in a much better space, I feel. Yes, could say. Means, of course, uh, pre-cancer life and post-cancer life are totally different. You cannot compare them, but I can count my blessings. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. So tell us more about your caregivers at the hospital, at home. How did it go? Yeah. So initially when I was diagnosed, my family was living in Kolkata and my sister was living in Canada. At that time, my then boyfriend was only there in the hospital with me. He became my initially primary caregiver until my parents flowed in. So I'm extremely thankful for his support that he showed to me. And uh, once my family flowed in, I think it's a very difficult moment for everyone. It's a very difficult moment for your parents because they never imagined this. And at the age where I wanted to be the caregiver of my old parents, the roles had to turn around. And I would think the idea of death didn't scare me because I'll die. The idea of death scared me that uh, I won't be there for my family. And I think that is a very major part of going through cancer, that you will not be there for for people who have given so much for you. Yeah. So I tried writing. I tried writing to pen down my emotions. I wrote a poem on, if I'm not there, if I don't make it through the treatment, then what should they remember? The, the poem consisted of major parts on what are the things that you're going to remember? And what are the things that are going to make you sad and how they should not make you sad. In, in short, the typical saying that don't cry because it's over. Laugh because it happened. I got in touch with amazing people who were going through the same thing and trying to focus on how to, how to look at the brighter side that we were here rather than we are not anymore. So I think that's a very difficult part of going through cancer, watching your caretakers suffer through you. And uh, I, I used to think so much that my father is suffering because he's not very, uh, he's ill as well. My whole mother was washing utensils multiple times, trying to ensure that everything within the house is clean. And she's old. So why did they have to go through this? Why did they have to face what they are facing. And I know people around me who are going through the same thing could synchronize with the same feeling. Either they are taking care of their children or their parents are taking care of them. So uh, that, that's when my boyfriend told me, my then boyfriend told me that uh, if, if it were to happen to them, won't you be doing the same thing? I said, yes. And he said, would you be doing it happily? I said, yes, of course. He said, it's the same thing. They are doing it for you not because they have to do they're happy while doing it for you. And that's the entire idea of a family. And uh, I, I'm a person into dark humor. And I was grateful that the people surrounding me had similar interests. So when my sister flew in, I think it was our favorite pastime to crack a lot of dark jokes on my disease. And we have had guests who would just get up and leave because they were not comfortable with those dark jokes, I think. So... I think the support system is very important. 
I understand that uh, some people are not able to have that support system or yeah, people close people to you leave. Yeah. So maybe some people were there with me initially and later they leave and it hurts. But another thing that I've learned is some or the other person is there for you. Maybe those people have changed, but at any point you had someone and it's important to cherish whoever you have at whatever time you have. Wow. This is just like so much of positivity beaming out of you like, like this. I mean, wow. I mean, how did you deal with the caregivers in the hospital, your doctors and your nurses? And tell me more about them as well. <laughs> okay, so I was taking treatment from Dr. Rama Joshi in Fortis. My surgery was with her and... Uh, Again, my chemotherapy was in Fortis only. So I think they were pretty, means Dr. Amaju, she's very calm. She's very nice. But I think somewhere she might be fed up of me because whenever I would go to her appointment, I would make a long list of things and I'll ask her like I'm doing an interview. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Maybe I have another question. So I think <laughs> another thing that helped me was to be able to detach myself as the subject of the tragedy that I was going through and have a look at it like any other project that I was doing. So, okay, we are in a situation. What's the thing that we could do? So focus on what you could do. And, uh, and again, it's not, it's not, my earring fell off. So again, it's not uh, possible to not have those negative emotions. And the path to positivity actually flows through the path of negativity. Absolutely. So, yeah. I think uh, uh, that's why it, whenever negativity comes in, it's important to take either professional help or help from people who can understand that negativity. Yeah. As well as, uh, uh, yeah, and once you detach yourself, well, whenever emotions come in, you take help. And other than that, you detach yourself and you try to focus on what can be done. So I means Dr. Ramajishi was very good. Then there were her supporting staff, which was very friendly. The chemo was very difficult for me, but the staff is very friendly. Whenever I go there, they remember me. So yeah, the hospital experience was again good. I, I made sure that I was cracking dark jokes, even in the surgery room. I was cracking dark jokes, even in ICU. I was cracking dark jokes, even, even when I was in the normal caretaking room. I was, I was ensuring that my dark jokes are always by my side, that why should I alone be uncomfortable? <laughs> I just got Make them also come uncomfortable and you know, now you see what it feels like. No, so we are on the same page at least. Yeah. <laughs> this is too funny. Dark jokes. You love dark jokes, it seems. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, how were you managing both personal life and work life at this point? While so initially, I don't know why I had that idea, okay, I'll continue to do work, but I was lucky to again have people in my professional life who were very, very supportive. So my managers were very considerate. My, my company MasterCard was very considerate of me. To, they gave me a separate room within the office once I joined the office after six months of care. They, were, they gave me six months of paid leave to ensure that um, I'm not uh, hassling with my finances. There are still things that I can take care of. And uh, once I joined back office, I think it, there is a lot of anxiety. I remember my manager saying, you know, you should see Nishtha in action, say such a top performer. And all I could think of was, how will I perform? I'm a person who needs to take a two or three hour nap in the afternoon. How am I going to get back to what I was? Why is life so unfair to me? I had a lot of personal tragedies, personal difficulties, even before cancer. And I was thinking, okay, just now my life has started becoming stable. Why is this happening to me? Would I ever be able to be what I was before? Would I ever be able to achieve what I did before? So I think in such periods, again, the same notion comes into the pictures. It will get easier. It definitely will get easier. The key is that you do it every day. 
Secondly, you need to have people in your life who believe in you. And there were a lot of people who believed in me. And uh, the people who didn't believe in me made a very less fraction in, in front of them. So I was told that, oh, you know, your life is going to change differently. Oh, it, it's going to change completely. You cannot expect the same things that you expected out of yourself before cancer. Oh, and no. I, just telling you things. Yeah, the intention is not bad. Uh, the intention is not bad. Maybe people are trying to comfort me, but not the same thing rings with everyone. And it didn't ring with me because I was not ready to expect, accept that uh, I'm not going to be as good as I was before. So I agree to the fact that life after cancer is very different from the life before cancer. But why cannot life after cancer be at least as amazing as life before cancer? The, what do you need? Earlier, I used to think that I need to have this, 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 this to make it a happy life. Yeah. Now I realize that the things that you need to make it a happy life, to make it a fulfilling life is they are very less. You need to have more of those less things rather than less of more things. So when it comes to the professional, when I translate this, this learning to the professional environment, I realize that it is important. It is crucial to love what you are doing, first of all. If you are not loving what you are doing, then you cannot be happy. Maybe you are in a completely wrong environment. Uh, means there are, there are studies that show that people leave their jobs after cancer, even though they are facing financial difficulties because they don't find meaning in it anymore. Somewhere I still found meaning in my life through my job. I loved going to my work. I loved the people who were surrounding me. I loved the support they were giving me and the belief they were showing in me. I never thought that I would be able to achieve what I achieved before. So when work started, I had also started my anti-hormone therapy and my strength was dying day by day. Every day when I would wake up, I was lying on the lying on, on my sofa at this very place for two hours or three hours before finding enough strength to get off my bed, be able to do anything, be able to get to work. But again, I tried. I tried every day. There wasn't a day I would have given up. Slowly and slowly, when my very first project rating came in, I had got the best possible rating and the best possible review that one, one could get. It it is a very petty thing to talk about, to talk about ratings, but it meant to me because it showed me that uh, that uh, I could uh, uh, that I could achieve, I could achieve something. Then again, the question came: Would I be going to be as good as I was before? Then came the idea of again prioritizing what really matters, even in your job, in your personal life. What also matters in your job? What are the high priority areas that you're supposed to focus on and also be open, open with the people who are surrounding you. Be open, be okay to tell them that you are going through something. If you're surrounded by nice people, they will understand. So I continued working hard. I continued prioritizing. I had people who would give me, who would let me know that, okay, if you're not feeling good, take it easy because life is a marathon. It, It is not a sprint. So I had those people. But still, like I said before, there is nothing that can stand in the way of human conviction to do something. Exactly. Within in less than a year, I got a super fast track promotion at work, and uh, then I also changed the teams to product team. I was earlier in consulting, and I changed to product team. So I am twenty four, and I am already managing products. So I think that's a that's a very big personal success for me because <clears throat> less because of less because of the idea that it's a it's a good position it's a and it's it's given to me at a young age but more because of the idea that cancer couldn't stop me and i have talked to people young people who were diagnosed with cancer and and their thoughts being around okay what's going to happen to my career I would just like to say one thing. If you love what you are doing, then nothing is bigger than the conviction of human spirit. Again, I cannot talk about everyone because it will be insensitive of me to be even trying to equate myself to their situation. But I would say there is hope and there's a very, very realistic hope 
not to be just average if if someone is telling you you know you take it slow now you have cancer you got to take things slow of course take things slow take take first of all focus on your body focus on your mental health focus on your physical health but once you have focused on your basic minimums if you love what you are doing you'll be happy to do what you are doing and there is no limit there is no limit to human spirit it is difficult it is difficult with with what your mind is going through with what your body is going through but it's important to focus on what you can do rather than what you cannot do and figuring out okay what is standing as an obstacle for me is it is it is it the thoughts that are harming me that that are coming to my mind while i'm working is it the chemo brain which is not letting me understand what is going on around me is it something else then try to figure out how the things that are stopping me how can i tackle them one by one if you're not able to tackle them by one thing then keep experimenting keep experimenting with one thing or the other thing something is going to work out ask people learn from others mistakes learn as much as you can from people and i think uh that's a very good way to take hold of your professional life yeah so indeed after i joined the uh, joint back office it was just uh, some time after my my chemotherapy was over and i was already under i'm already undergoing the anti hormone therapy Hmm. so my product my, my project manager then was pretty impressed with my work and he invited me to spend uh two months in germany again i was spooked out that can i do it i have been outside india before i've been outside india alone but did i have the strength to just to have just come out of the chemo and be able to spend two months outside alone with no one by my side it was a very dreadful thought for me can i do this and my manager my peer group as loving as they were they told me it's my decision to make and they'll be supportive of whatever decision i make and uh, after after asking my doctor on what precautions to take after figuring out my capabilities after taking a holistic situation into mind i made that call and i'm proud of that call i never thought that just uh, some weeks after finishing my chemo i'll be able to live abroad alone for two months where i'm because whenever you're on site the work is more where i'm putting 12 hours into work plus i'm cooking plus i'm cleaning plus i'm doing everything plus i also want to go around and be able to do travel explore and, the city explore the city yeah, i mean explore the continent yeah, so i mean yeah be have uh, spent so much time in such long journeys will i be able to do that and i did it it was difficult i would not say it was easy but every day i would get get up every day i would go to work because i was with people i loved every day i would cook my own food rather than ordering outside because i wanted to eat healthy i would go roaming around even if i was tired i would still go and i'll still make those um, make those trips because i had my own strength to explore what's the worst that thing that would happen i'll fall down I'll fall down I'll have no support I have taken insurance as a backup of course it's not a very good logic but it mattered to me that I was there I means some people might say that I'm very pushy I am I am not pushy when it comes to my health I take care of my health first but once I know that I have some things under control then I work towards what I want to achieve then um, then what happened once i had to go on a hike and i didn't know whether i could hike again whether i could hike again on a on the top of a mountain and uh, uh when i started the hike i also realized that up the hill there was snow i wasn't even prepared with the snow equipment because the because the weather forecast didn't show it would snow i had no idea whether i would come out of, out alive out of that hike and that was a very fearful moment for me but again what's important is just take another step just keep going on keep enjoying whatever you have right now and that day i completed 23 kilometers of snow hike i had never done a snow hike before so i think again i would say there is nothing that stands in front of human spirit's conviction to do something of course it's not a, something that i would advise to people but what if you're just stuck in a situation there is there is nothing bigger than human and human spirit's conviction
Wow, so well put, so well said. Like, I have no words to say. The fact that you even did the climb, you did the hike. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, you I and I... Just, I think just happened because I think going down was more difficult than climbing up. Oh, is it so? Wow. You and I are pretty similar if you ask yeah. me. Yeah. Listening to you and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm like this, I'm like this. <laughs> so yeah, I completely understand what you're saying. I completely understand this, I completely do. So um, coming to the perspective where, what are the lessons learned? What are your greatest words of wisdom to the viewers talk, listening here? What would you like them to think and take the right kind of attitude for caregivers out there, for other people going through whatever they are going through. You know what it's like. We can never put, the least we can do is be empathetic, right? So what are your words of wisdom and the lessons learned first, then the words of wisdom, yeah. I think the lessons learned uh, are the same as the words of wisdom. I think everyone has their own learnings and it would be insensitive of me to speak for them because I don't know what they're going through. But one thing I would like to say, anxiety would come in, negativity would come in, you will feel hopeless and it is okay. We are surrounded by the slogans of positivity, but it is okay. It's okay to be negative. You are going through something and it is tragic. There is no doubt about it. And it's okay to be negative. Take help, take help from people who can, who, with whom you can discuss your negativity, who will not say, ah, be positive. Discuss it with your therapist. Maybe find, find anyone who you could discuss it with. Accept it. And once you've accepted it, and then move on. It's not going to be a straight slope. It's going to be a journey with ups and downs. One day you'll feel at the peak, another day you'll at the toe. But keep on moving. Keep on going. Secondly, People will leave your life. But if you see, there will be many more who will enter your life for the mere love they want to give to you with no conditions asked. Cherish their love and at the same time practice a lot of self-love. So your own work is not determined by what people are by people surrounding you could be saying. Yeah. Thirdly, uh, I know you are worried about what will happen to your family, to your loved ones, maybe your kids or uh, anything. So know that they are with you because they want to be with you or they would have left. There is nothing that is binding them to not leave. People would leave. Anyone who is still with you is because they want to be with you and they want to cater to you. So don't feel bad that you're being a burden. Don't, don't feel like that. You would have done the same thing if they were there. They love you. You love them. And that is something which is worth cherishing. Fourthly, that uh, let stress go. Don't sweat the small things. And there are a lot of, every, almost everything is small thing. So I won't say everything is small thing, but a yeah. lot of them. So we define what are the things where you would take stress and what are the things that you would let go. Yeah. And sixthly, uh, what I've been saying, and I'll say again, it will get better. It will definitely get better. The key is to do it every day, and that's the hard part. But it will get better. <laughs> Amazing. I really have to clap for you. The way you put it is just too good. Amazing. Like, that is exactly the kind of intention we have to put forth to everybody watching this video. And more than that, it's the attitude. Your attitude towards life now is just beautiful, if you ask me. It's beautiful the way you see things, the way you talk with so much energy, with so much vigor, with so much, I mean, there's no, there's no, there's nothing holding you back. You're free. You let go. It's so free. And you're, you're just saying your story out there just as it is, you know, and it's beautiful as a listener myself to be listening to you. It's so inspiring and so motivational. It puts you in the right spirit, correct? Also, yeah. one, one question. Ah, tell me, tell me. Oh, I, I'm saying I think that all of us have stories to share. Oh, and definitely. Are going through journey, nothing 
comes in a day, in a week, in a month, or maybe in a year. I think it's a journey where we continuously feel better. Very true. Very true. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us how your reaction was when you first realized, when you first uh, came across that report that said, oh, I'm completely cancer-free. Um, I think that that's the kind of emotions I experience every three months whenever I'm uh, having my tests done. And every time before that, there's a lot of anxiety. And whenever I see the good results, I'm extremely relieved. I enjoy, maybe I cry the tears of joy. Mm. And uh, overall, the next month is still uncertain. So I believe in God. I take God's name and I just go ahead with it. I have fingers crossed before I'm opening my report and I'm still scared. I'm still scared if something goes wrong, maybe if this, then that, maybe if not this, then that. But I try to keep God's name in my heart, in my mind. And yeah, just just let's see what happens, what comes. It means I don't have any rosy words to say here, <laughs> but uh, let's see what happens. Yeah. Also, um, and it comes to gratitude. Gratitude and everything related to gratitude after this after this experience. What are your comments on just that word? I think I, I missed out this point and this is a very important point and most of the cancer survivors would agree. I think gratitude is the biggest thing you take away. You are grateful. You are grateful for 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 just being able to have the food that you are having, being able to experience any joy in this life that you are experiencing because there was a day when you thought you won't be able to experience it. So I think gratitude is something which is very, very much, which comes into the picture, being happy for what you have. And like I said, that you know, don't need the world to be happy. You need those few people, you know, you need those few things and life is good. Just a few things and life is good. Wow. <laughs> you put it out of the so well. Like, I mean, people at this point, when they're going through such a situation, I'm, I'm pretty sure when you went through such a situation, you weren't thinking like this. You weren't at such a mindset. I'm pretty sure. But right now you're out of it. You've taken those steps to build yourself up from scratch, both mentally and physically. And it is just inspiring, sheer inspiring. Kudos to you, Nishta. I have to say this. Kudos to you. And I'm so honored to be sitting here and doing this, having this conversation with you. I really am. I really am. Thank you so much. Thank you so much on behalf of Zen Onco and on and Love Heals Cancer, of course. I want to thank you. And I'm honored to talk to Zen Onco and Love Heals Cancer. Sweet. That is so sweet. <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time now from your busy schedule. It must be a hectic day, so Monday. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure it is hectic. So um, once again, thank you. Thanks a lot. I hope to keep in touch with you soon and take care. Be safe.